Hello, you're listening to the on the road edition of the Pancake King, life and marriage on the spectrum, where I four sit down with friends and family at different places to give you a window into my life and share stories. So this time I'm with uh, one of my close friends, Blade. And uh, Blade, where are we right now? So we're at a nice little park along the Mississippi River um, near Western Illinois University. I've come out here a few times. Uh, it's actually a nice little, I'm, a, I'm kind of obsessed with walking or addicted to it. It's ridiculously healthy for you and Google, Google keeps feeding me articles that tell me I'm right, so. And if Google says it's right, then it's right. <laughs> well that and Pokemon Go is not to help this addiction. <laughs> I bet. So, um, we're out here to just have a, a little bit of a conversation, just kind of get to know, um, know a bit of uh, who you are and um, your background on the autism spectrum and just kind of like, I don't know, shoot the crap, <laughs> like in a few other areas. But, okay. yeah. Uh, so, you said that you got to have a conversation with your uh, mom recently, yep. you know, to sort of uh, get the research uh, done for this episode. You were diagnosed on the autism spectrum too, but you were diagnosed um, way earlier than I was. Like in preschool kind of age. So I was diagnosed very young. Um, so that's why I had to talk to my mom because believe it or not, I don't remember a whole lot of stuff from that, from, from when I was that young. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you want me to just start going through. Please. Anything. Okay, so uh, I talked with her about it, uh, and she told me about how I was diagnosed when I was young. When she described how, like, when I was one, when when a kid is one, they should know so many, like, a, a certain amount of words. They should know better. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Right. Right. But uh, I should have known more words than I did. Like, I think it was she was saying how it was like. I should have when I was one. I should have known like a hundred words, and I only knew like ten or yeah. something like that. Like, like, I was very much, like, speech and language delayed at that point. Um, there was a lot of, like, tactile things I didn't like. So, like, there's certain materials that my mom described to me that, like, she could not trust me in because I would hate it. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't diagnosed with autism yet. Okay. Um, it wasn't until, like, because uh, at this point we were living in Michigan, my family and I, and they had a pre-primary program. For, for the schools there and at least how my mom described it, it was a wonderful program uh, so kind of like a kind of running theme that I noticed when I talked to my mom is that this is, is that I was able to be diagnosed and kind of treated it is kind of a success story for early education for for at least Michigan sure so okay. for me at least this is very much a success story for the US education system good let's hear it then. yes um, <laughs> So several kinds of therapists, because uh, as a as I was a young kid, my mom described me as like just I could not sit for very long. I would run all run all over the place, like whether it be at church, school, so on and so forth. Um, I'd have a hard time like with certain materials, because as people with autism, they, there's just certain things they hate to touch mm. and whatnot, and uh, a lot of noises as well. Like she would describe even when I was like six months old. There, she every time she turned on a certain vacuum cleaner and a hand spinner, like a kitchen hand spinner, mm -hmm. it was those two things that, even at six months old, I would scream like bloody bloody murder to use her <laughs> words, uh, whenever she turned those on. 
It was only those two things. So it must have been something about that specific noise that just drew six-month-old me absolutely bloody insane. I, I Now I have to find out the things that would make you scream bloody murder now. I'm sure it shouldn't <laughs> be that hard. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know about... Yeah, I don't know about now. <laughs> now that I think about it, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember the last time I screamed bloody murder. So that, that would well, be quite the accomplished good. good. I remember the last time I did. <laughs> <laughs> but go on, please. Yes. Um, so basically there were several kinds of therapists and through the pre-primary, or through the, I'm going to say pre-kindergarten, mm -hmm. just to make it easier. Uh, pre-kindergarten, like uh, several kinds of therapists would help me get me focused, teach me more words, and just be, care certain, be comfortable with certain materials. So uh -huh. one thing my mom described is they would force me to put a hand, my hand inside of like, on like gene materials because mm. uh, that was one of the things I hated feel it blade feel it <laughs> feel it and be okay yeah right uh, you're gonna feel it and you're gonna like it <laughs> and uh, we did that for about a year or two mm. uh, yeah, at that point you're just so sick and tired of feeling jeans material you just never wore jeans again no I know you have I'm no just no saying. no like I I wear a lot of jeans now so like <laughs> when my mom was telling me this I was like oh interesting mm-hmm but, uh, so kind of, that was kind of, so the, again, this is before I'm actually diagnosed with autism. Right. So this is just things that they're, you know, this is the nineties. So it's not like <laughs> there, it's definitely like, it definitely culturally, they're starting to open up a lot more towards, you know, the being okay with these things and diagnosing them as opposed to just being like, shut up and accept it kind of thing. Right. But you know, they still hadn't made that tr full transition yet. So uh, it isn't until kindergarten that a special education teacher uh, had really kind of like started the track to get me diagnosed with this correctly because mm -hmm. she was mentioning that because my mom kind of talked a little bit about how uh, most of the things would have that like that I was doing you know being hyperactive running around a bunch and not being able to sit and focus mm -hmm. would have been generally would have diagnosed me ADHD which would have been very bad because many of those pills for ADHD people have the opposite effect for people with autism. I can speak that for uh, with experience, actually. No, I, I actually was uh, prescribed pills for ADHD when I was younger. Oh. Um, I didn't keep them, you know, like I didn't keep them. Which, by the way, stopping taking uh, ADHD pills cold turkey is horrible. <laughs> it, it, the, the withdrawal of that is absolutely awful. It's the worst. And Again, this is again where I'm very thankful that they decided that they were able to identify that it wasn't ADHD I had but high functioning autism, so that way they were able to avoid that for me. Now, at the time though, did they call it Asperger's? Yes. Okay. I'm just using high functioning autism because I feel like there's a better term for it anyway, and I think that's yeah. the more modern term, isn't it? It is. Uh, they discontinued even using the term Asperger's like even before I was diagnosed. Okay. And when I was diagnosed, it was high functioning autism disorder. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'll just keep using the high-functioning autism, even though, for the most part, it would have been called Asperger's back then. Yeah. So, you're Asperger's, I'm high-functioning autism. That's that's the point. We are different, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> back in my day, we called it Asperger's, and we liked it. <laughs> of course, a guy comes by on his cycle right yeah. as you're yelling that. And we liked it. <laughs> 
he had a certain look over like what's with him right right <laughs> anyway <laughs> i um, don't care <laughs> i just found it funny yes <laughs> so um so like one thing she noted that this special education teacher noticed was that i wore it it was more than that. There was more going on than me just wanting to be left alone by other kids. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot more going on. So, this is special education, and at this point, my family and I were living in Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, in a small town north of the state, north in the northern part of the state, named Rozo. Rozo? Yeah, near the <laughs> Canadian border. I don't know. I was like three. It was a place. <laughs> anyway, so a specialist from the Twin Cities came and had to diagnose me. Um. So he's the. So it wasn't until then that I was like officially diagnosed with high functioning autism, mm-hmm. and so because of that, uh, there was a fine tuned individual education program that was put in for me, or an IEP. Okay. And my mom was talking about how like these. She talked a lot about these. I'll talk about that a bit more later. I think I have the notes later for them. But uh, so that basically gave gave the school the funding to give me the special program for my for myself so i wasn't necessarily taken out of normal classes from what i remember mm-hmm. but i was but i had extra classes that i went to because of this individual education program because right because of that so i wasn't in like the special ed courses in the mm-hmm. sense of like taken away from the normal classes put in those but i did have those sure okay um so the, the these generally helped a lot more with speech tactile stuff um it was kind of one of those things where my mom was telling me a, a, a story about how, uh, like, for for me as a child, like, at one point, like, I just hated getting wet. Oh, and yeah. so at one point, my mom talked a wh- for a while about a story about the school called her. And she was like, oh, no, what about Blade now? And they're saying, they were like, no, we're super happy. Blade jumped in a water puddle. And he was oh, just keep, nice. kept jumping in it. Just having having the time of his three old self or whatever. I, could, I, I couldn't stand getting in water, but now I love it so much. Well, and that was kind of precisely where they were so happy because because of that because the program was obviously working because at least very young me was like I hate getting wet at all mm-hmm. and then being like this water puddle is fun I'm gonna jump in it a few times. Nice. And nice. my mom just talked about how like that was such like especially the person who called in and was just like super happy about that so mm-hmm. they could see that progress being made. Um, so, like I was saying before, it was hyperactive a lot when very young, couldn't s- stay still for long. Um, my mom talked a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit about how like the the later the autism is diagnosed, the harder it is to quote unquote correct. Yeah. Uh, so again, this is why it, this for me at least, uh, it, this is a success story because they identified it so early. Yeah. In my life. Uh, teachers in first and second grade notice how I would get very frustrated mm-hmm. and this kind of was like a window into like even how I act now because for me I don't generally let out my frustrations too much um, there, there's a certain point where I might throw a pen because a certain person in an elevator is not listening to what I'm saying I'm sorry that's about that's that's I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna rant about my job uh, but uh it takes a lot for me to hit that wall to where I do let out my frustration. Right. In a not healthy way. Right. That results in a pen being destroyed. <laughs> How many but, pens have you gone through at this point? Uh, just one. Oh, okay. Just the well, one. That, that's it, good. It, it, <laughs> I'm it, talking it, about one instance. <laughs> I talk about one specific instance that happened recently. Okay. Uh, it, for me, probably the most frustrating thing is when you talk to somebody who should be able to react and understand your words, but instead acts more like a brick wall. I know that feeling. 
I'm I'm a brick wall a bit myself. <laughs> That's kind of something that people have been uh, very frustrated with uh, with me in the past. Is you know I will act like a brick wall. Part of it is just the fact that I have no like facial expression most of the time. Oh. So you know it, it makes people wonder. Well, like, are you even listening? Do you care at all? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> but in my own way. You know, you're not going to get that overtly expressive. Uh, Martin Freeman, Bilbo Baggins, like, all the time. You know, yeah. that sort of personality. But anyway, so back in first and second... For teachers in first and grade knows how I would get frustrated a lot. And so occupational therapy and special education taught me how to call down and not become as frustrated. So it was, again, one of those things of, like, as a young kid, they identified an issue related to my autism and helped correct that as a kid. Like, so much so that, like, I don't remember most of this. Well, maybe so, that's for the best? <laughs> yeah, well, probably, because, uh, again, that didn't become an issue for that I would have had to correct in my adult life kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my mom mentioned how there would be different things here and then there would show up over the years afterwards. However, for the most part, like, the big issues, like she was mentioning, like, being behind in, like, speech development and, like, getting super frustrated, uh, that at least went down over the years and especially the speech and language stuff did uh what were corrected it was just a developmental thing that they had to give me special attention to right um so you talked about how like she, she used the term like sight words to help pronounce and learn words so like she talked about how at one point like she used this little story about how like as a young kid i would walk up to her and be like eh, eh. and she'd be like what okay use your words uh-huh. and i would still go eh eh and she knew I'd be talking about wanting a cookie, and she'd be like, oh, so do you want a cookie? And she would have to eh, kind of... Eh. Kind <laughs> of. And she, yeah, kind of keep going like that, or at least have to take an extra step to make sure I associated the word cookie with a cookie kind of thing. My parents eventually discovered that when I go, nah, nah, you know, that meant <laughs> I was hungry. It's kind of funny, because when you think about it, if you were to, like, look back at the old videos where they were able to capture that... Mm-hmm. Um, it would look pretty uh, self-entitled, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, okay. It was just something that, like, it was an expectation that I would make through a sound. Yeah. I certainly wasn't smiling either when I did it. <laughs> so uh, so after the diagnosis, the school in general really helped me tolerate sounds, touch, etc. My mom talked about how they even had, to ma- had me wear weighted jackets. <laughs> to help me be okay with sitting down for a while. Interesting. Um, oh, because it would uh, discourage you from trying to stand up? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and We're going to hold you down. <laughs> and this I found interesting because I was like, even to this day, I don't like... I don't... The one one thing I don't like about my current job is sitting uh, sitting down for eight hours a day. Yeah. Now, I have enough freedom to be able to stay on my desk a bit. Like, I'm not literally chained to sit to my de- at my desk all day, but that's just something I just... That's one minor thing I don't like about my job. And so I was kind of, as I was having this conversation, I was like, oh, I mean, there's plenty of reasons to not like being, being having to sit at a job for eight hours, but this is just one of many reasons for me. Right. So it was kind of like, it was kind of like, as I was having this conversation, I was like, okay, so this hasn't affected me too much in my adult life, but there's still little nuggets here and there that I, can, that I noticed that at least are in part why I don't like certain things, so on and so forth. Right. Um, and she did also mention that I was given a different grading level in these early, uh, early on in class, mm-hmm. in these early on classes. Uh, so that was kind of the early stuff. Like for the most part, that's that was everything that was done. As I grew up, like I stopped having these like independent like special ed courses, especially in like middle and high school. Like I didn't have anything like that. 
Yeah. Um, there was some accommodations given to me, but for the most part, like, I didn't really need them. Like, mm. uh, at one point, uh, I remember in high school, like, they were telling me about how, like, I could take the privilege to, like, take classes, take tests, and, like, by myself in a, in a quieter room away from everyone else, but I'd be like, I don't really need it. <laughs> like, I remember my mom telling me, "Is like, Blade, you, you do need to take advantage of some of these, or else we can't give them to you anymore. And I kept right. going back and forth, "Is like, well, I don't really need them. Like, so. I'm spending money, you know, on these, I assume. No, actually, uh, that's one thing my mom stressed a lot about IEPs, these individual education programs, is that they're completely federal funded. They're a federal okay. program. Uh, she and my mom talked quite a bit about this, actually, because... And again, this is where I want to I want to emphasize. This is where education really came through on me. Like, f federal funding for for a school program really helped me out here. Is that this was no cost to to me, my family, or the school itself? Oh, okay. Because uh, again, it, again, the program is titled Individual Education Program or Plan, and basically, the school only has to put something into the federal government, and they'll pay for everything. Right. So the specialists, the extra education, all that. Right. Uh, my mom talked a bit about how some friends of her were under the impression that at least the school had to pay for it, like the local school in of itself. Mm -hmm. And she said, and she emphasized very much to me that no, that is not the case. And especially in my early life, I went through a lot of different schools. Because at one point I lived in Michigan. I don't think I was going to any school there. She talked about, of course, the preschool uh, program that I was going to in Michigan where most of the story happens. And yeah. then... I went to two or three different schools here in the QC before I really like before we really really settled down. Kind of yeah, thing. right. So in all of them, I was given this stuff through the IEP because it's a federal program, and all the schools had to do was apply, apply for it. Yeah. And cool. my mom mentioned how some schools may not be aware that that that's the case, or they just had to apply for it and whatnot. But she uh, she did emphasize to the to these schools, and they worked with her plenty about getting these things done. Mm -hmm. And my mom did talk about how. Uh, at least from what she's learned from other parents, is that the schools are willing to work with you, but they're not willing to be dictated to to themselves by by your every beck and whim. Right. She was kind of talking about how she had to like kind of have a give and take with the schools. Maybe not necessarily give and take, but she had to basically basically sit and talk with them and be like, okay, what can we do for the for the betterment of my child? To have a discussion, come to an agreement, as opposed to her coming down, saying to me like, okay, you're going to do this and this for my child. Ooh, you know, uh, and yeah. she found that at least some people she knew were very much more that, and were frustrated with the schools because, well, with anything, if you if I sit if you sit down with demands and are unwilling to at all change them, be prepared to have them turned down because uh, yeah. most people, most circumstances want to help you, but they are limited in some way, shape, or form. So the more you're willing to work and accommodate within those boundaries the more pleasant the situation is and for my mom that was her experience and again she comes she i cannot stress this enough she emphasized to me a lot that this iep was a federal program that really helped make sure that everything was a lot more paid for and like money wasn't an issue it's a matter it was a matter of working together to for the betterment of me basically <laughs> right. so uh that was kind of uh, everything for for me at least. So at one point, I, as I was talking with Mama, I was like, so I wanted to get kind of her perspective on it, and and so like, what would, how did she feel after she got the diagnosis? And she told me she was relieved to mm. get the diagnosis because for her, uh, she was she told me about how she was very like paranoid. She was being a bad mother because mm. uh, 
I was I was the first child, of course, so she she didn't have anything to compare to. Yeah, and right. so she's like, "Am I being a bad parent? What's going on?" And when she got the diagnosis, she was pregnant with my brother Hunter. Oh, so, wow. So yeah. uh, she was also kind of that was also kind of in the back of her mind as well. Is mm-hmm. she has another child coming? And so that was kind of a relief to her that she was basically she was parenting basically parenting on hard mode. And so that's why she was having difficulties <laughs> right. with me. So that was kind of a relief. Also in the sense that there was there was something known that could be not necessarily fixed, but worked with. It like has we, a name now. Yeah, it The has issue a, has a name now. It has a name, <laughs> and we know how to uh, deal with it. Right. So... No, that's good. Yeah. Um, let's see. So like she said, it took a lot of time and work to correct... Uh, and I, again, quote air quotes correct. correct. Autism isn't something you correct, but it is something you have to work with. Yep. There is no cure. Yeah. Uh, there is no specific cure for it. Yes. There's no pill. There's no vaccine. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that was kind of her impression. Uh, she kind of taught. So I kind of asked her how my dad uh, felt about that. And she used the word that my dad was beside himself to hear the diagnosis. Beside um, himself, I mean, uh, how exactly? It, it she kind of used the word deflated him, like he would like she kind of talked a bit about how it, it seemed to him that he was like, oh great, my son is, uh, oh like, has mental issues kind of thing, like, and not my kid. <laughs> I don't know if it was necessarily that attitude. It was more. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, of course, but. I, I, because, like, I mean, he he kind of falls into the stereotypical, like, what we were talking about before about, like, not really understanding, like, mental health as it was kind of changing, in the, especially the 80s, 90s. Well, I mean, the perspective on autism back in the 90s is not all the same as it is now. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I think back then that was still kind of bit of an unknown to a lot of people. I guess my thinking is that, like, the is that it was st- the thinking around it was starting to change that it was something that wasn't necessarily t- you told the child deal with it like it was like hey like we need to like sit down and actually have some therapy to help him work through the issue as opposed to just tell him shut up sit down and be like everyone else why can't you be normal <laughs> right. instead of taking that attitude towards it right and i think at least that's kind of probably what my dad was kind of thinking it was still in that older mindset of how mental issues were mm-hmm. so uh he had told my mom at one point that he didn't have time to deal with it and kind of left her to kind of pick up the pieces basically i mean back then you know it's like if stuff was di- if stuff like this was diagnosed i mean stuff like this wasn't diagnosed even just some decades ago it's like mm-hmm. it usually just meant that you were you know, I mean, excuse me, I'm going to use the R word here, a retard, you know, a mentally yeah. retarded is yeah. the more professional quote unquote term. Yeah. yeah, and that was really all it was. You were, you were, H, you were ADHD, mentally retarded. You were uh, on the autism spectrum, mentally retarded. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of the catch-all term they used, and uh, na- now with more understanding of what it is and how to work around those issues for the betterment of those people, uh, we've gotten those different terms to kind of better specify which is what, because you do not <laughs> treat ADHD the same way you would treat high-functioning autism. No, no. So, Although a lot of a lot of times they can go hand in hand. Oh, really? You know? Well, I mean, what I mean by that is usually if someone is diagnosed with high-functioning autism, um, sometimes uh, ADHD 
comes with it. It did for me. That oh, okay. was on my diagnosis report, is that uh, ADHD was kind of a part of that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe not for you, and to be honest, I don't see it with you, but that's just me. Yeah, and, you know, it was like, there's a, you know, just because you have one thing doesn't mean you have another. And, yeah, just because you've met one individual on the spectrum doesn't mean you've met the rest. You know, that's, uh, well, I mean, I hope to be a <laughs> common truth, but yes. it is the truth. But yeah, um, so he very much took a back... So my dad took very much a back seat as far as, like, parenting me, especially in these early years, because he just... I assume some of it was just, like... At least my impression from my mom told me is that it seemed like for him, he just didn't know how to deal with it. He was also probably still caught up with the old stigma of, oh, great, my child's intellectually retarded. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure that played a small, a small role for him, at least, in how he uh, thought about it. So, like I said, he kind of took a back seat, and at least for my mom, he was kind of, she was kind of relieved about that, because at least thinking back on how he, and the few times, on some of the times he did try to be a parent, he probably would have caused more damage than, he probably would have done more harm than good. Mm -hmm. So, at least in that aspect, I appreciate that he, he at least took a back seat, as opposed to going to the more toxic route of, no, my child's going to be normal, he's not, a, he's not intellectually retarded or anything like that. Right. So, um... So uh, for my mom mentioned he didn't want to know he didn't want to know much about it so he kind of was very much like I don't want to hear about it kind of thing mm. um, he didn't talk about it but he made it a point to go to all of the individual education programs so like all the time so all those like classes like my mom like the parents would be there he made it a point to be there for all those courses interesting yeah I found like when my mom was telling me I was like okay he very much made a point not to know much about it take a back seat not really take charge or do anything with that but he made a point to show up to all those my mom took the cynical route of uh he just wanted to seem like the good parents sure uh, and you know that's honestly that's probably true but <laughs> i have you know me being not even five at this point right. i have nothing else to base that on so uh so there's that. Um, my mom mentioned that, at least at the time, what they knew is that most people with high-functioning autism are diagnosed when they're in first or second grade. Mm -hmm. So especially for me being diagnosed in, like, pre-kindergarten or kindergarten, that was that helped me get a leg up mm -hmm. on that. And especially at the time, she mentioned how a lot of people don't see high-functioning autism. They usually just see ADHD or something like that. Yeah, so sure, yeah. She, again, talked about how, like, if I was given ADHD pills... That would have had the opposite effect. And she actually told me as I was talking about, by the way, make sure you mention it to your doctor that you have high-functioning autism because that can potentially affect a lot of different other pills you would, you could, you would have to take in your the rest of your life. They can have the opposite effect or worse effects. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, that's actually good to know that I should know for the that's rest great. of my adult life. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, thankfully I don't have any anything to where I need to take any like pills or anything like that. But I'm like, okay. Uh, keep this in my back pocket just in case I need to take a pill for God knows whatever medical condition in the future. So again, like she, she kind of mentioned just a lot of loud noises I, as a kid, I did not like. Like, uh, uh, do you remember in Toy Story, the original Toy Story, the part where the, where they're, it's towards the end, Woody and Buzz are trying to get back into the moving truck, it's driving away, yeah. Yeah. and at one point the dog is chasing them and causes that huge car accident? In the yes. middle of that four-way? Yeah. 
She told, like, as a kid, I loved watching that movie back to back to back to back to back to back to back all day. Oh, wow. And she talked about how every time that scene happened with all the car crashes with the dog, I would scream again as she worded it, bloody murder. Why would you enjoy watching this movie back to back if that scene bothered you so much? Uh, I don't know. I was like five. (laughs) Hey, I want to watch this movie again where this one scene just makes me scream and lose my crap. (laughs) But, like, I think this kind of ties into how, like, she talked about how, like, a a lot of kids with high-function autism pick up, like, get really focused on things, really, like, just get really involved and focused on things. Mm -hmm. And I think, for me, the original Toy Story was one of those things. So even though one of the scenes scenes in the movie scared the crap out of me, apparently, Mm -hmm. uh, I would still want to watch it over and over and over again. Because, I mean, one, it's a genuinely good movie. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And two, because, like, I was a kid with high-functioning autism, and I was watching a good movie, and I wanted to keep watching it over and over again. Right, right. So... She talked about how, like, a lot of kids with autism will kind of have, will kind of have that. Um, oh, I, I would know, I would know that. I, um, I loved the first Toy Story when I was a kid. I would watch that over and over again. Another movie I would watch millions of times, uh, Chicken Run. That's Chicken not, Run. Yeah, that's not a Disney movie. That's a DreamWorks film, too. And, uh, yeah, that was one that I would watch all the time, over and over and over again, you know? And now that I've grown up, I kind of look back on it, I'm like... You know, now I, I feel like some of my own personal beliefs stem from watching that movie. Just think about it for five seconds, and it makes a lot of sense. But um, that's neither here nor there, nor will we go there. But um, yeah, that that I think that was my like to you what Toy Story was, Chicken Run was mine. Yeah, and like as she talked about this, like for me, this kind of brought insight into like probably if uh, at least like getting super focused on things. Because, like, for me, like, one of the reasons why I love history so much as a topic is because it's one of those things that you can always further dig into. Like, everything is connected in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Whether it be, like, you talk about the Thirty Years' War and the transition from politics, like, like uh, politics being religious-based to being more statecraft. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, why does France, a Catholic nation, well, a Catholic state... Uh, nation state kind of hard <laughs> kind of difficult terms to use in this period but i'll just go with state yeah uh kingdom i'll use kingdom uh, the the french kingdom even though it's catholic fought on the protestant side of the 30 years war mm-hmm. kind of helps show that transition towards things no longer being solely based in religion kind of going back to like the crusades and how that was very much a religious expedition there's political and reasons involved but the at least motivating factor for for it was religious right the 30 years year war shows that transition and that kind of leads into so many other topics. Will there be like the devastation in Germany and how that kind of helped stops Germany from being a unified state until much later when the German Empire is declared in 1871? And kind of my point being is that the history is such a topic that like you can just keep digging into forever and mm-hmm. never get to, to all of it. And so you can just be so focused on it. Also for me, I love telling people, I love maps. Give yeah. me a map. I will love staring at it for at least 20 minutes. Nice. As I'm sure you've noticed, I have several globes for kind of that reason. Right. Several, literally. <laughs> Big ones and small ones everywhere. <laughs> I even have one small globe that my mom gave me as a joke because it's a terrible globe. Oh, okay. And it, it's an absolutely <laughs> god-awful globe. Like, not just... Well, you would know because you're obsessed with that sort of thing. Yes. You know? uh, not only just from a general craftsman shape because the parts of the globe that are around 
uh, they're not even put on that well. Like, oh, they overlap wow. with each other. Yeah. But some of the borders are just god-awful. Like, it, it, Did she get it for you as a joke because she knew it was awful? Okay. Yes. That's what I and, yeah. and the reason I kept it is because on the bottom there's a sticker that says, Not for educational purposes. <laughs> Very clearly. Not for educational purposes. We just slapped this thing together and called it a it's day. It's supposed to look you know? like a globe, right. but not be a globe. I get it. So I kept that as a joke because I was like... One, it's actually, it's because it's, it's, it's one of those things that you put at the end of, like, a bookshelf to hold the books up. Yes. If it, so, it's a book holder, and yeah, that's all it's good for. That's all it's good for, because it's a god-awful globe. Yeah. And I would know, because I've looked at a fair amount of globes and maps. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I have no doubt. Um, I, was there anything, like, uh, else note-wise? Because I just had a few questions to wrap uh, this up. Nope, that's pretty much it. I covered everything else I have listed here. Again, the IEPs. Again, I emphasize to parents, make sure you look into that. Mm -hmm. It's a federal program. Schools have to abide by it. If they don't know, they, they should be able to apply for it. And definitely work with the schools. Don't dictate to them. There's only so much they can do, but work with them. And don't be the... Uh, Bridezilla equivalent of the parent who wants everything and everything for the child, including the moon. The whole uh, school world to revolve around him or her. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Well, I had a I had a question just um, because you know you essentially told me that. Um, when you were diagnosed on the autism spectrum, you know, your mother put this effort into making sure you were quote unquote trained, you know, or just schooled yeah. to. Um, um, learn how to overcome some of the um, some of the weaker habits or the um, weaker tendencies of um, the autism spectrum. So, do you feel? I know it's kind of a funny sounding question, but now do you feel maybe a little more neurotypical than you would have been had you not gone through this training? I mean, like, what parts of autism do you feel really has much of an effect on you now at all? So I feel pretty normal. Uh, for the most part, uh, especially in the sense of like, you know, being able to function in society. Um, mm -hmm. I think because especially like having this conversation with my mom kind of helped give insight into certain aspects of my personality. Mm -hmm. Like I said, uh, usually when I get frustrated with things, uh, it's I kind of just keep it in uh, yeah, yeah, I until like, it's a certain point. <laughs> right. Then a pen gets destroyed sometimes. Yeah, two uh, years, two, uh, no, um, like three or four years later, you're just like, no, stop. I don't want to hear about The Last Jedi again. Just shut up. <laughs> I can't anymore. <laughs> you know, around us diehard Star Wars fans, I can talk about any one of the movies yes. for as long as humanly possible. Yeah, you know, one of those things. I guess I, that's one of the less, uh, I guess one of the less trivial things. Yeah, you know? and I mean, like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like the, that's, it's not just because I get frustrated with it in the sense of, like, uh, because of my autism. Because some of that is also, like, I'm tired of hearing about it. Right, right, I, right. We've beat the horse to death and then beat its hypothetical children to death. <laughs> and their children. And their children about it. Yeah, right. I want to move on kind of thing. Like, there's <laughs> right. other reasons I would still come to that same conclusion. But it's kind of one of those things, like, okay, this is one part of the mosaic that makes my personality. Yeah. Again, like, like I was mentioning before, is, like, I generally don't like sitting for eight hours a day for a job. Like, right. ideally, whatever job, other job I get in the future would have a better balance. But, uh, and again, there's plenty of health reasons why you don't want to be sitting too long for, for why you sit. Like, I've heard, like, I read one article that talked about how if you sit for too long, there's actually certain blood vessels that get stuck in, like, kind of your leg veins. Yeah. And even just standing up and, like, just... Even just taking a five-minute walk 
really alleviates that problem. And so even doing so, there's small things like that. So yeah. like, there's a lot of genuine other reasons I have the reasons that I stand by certain things I stand by. Mm-hmm. But again, this autism kind of uh, diagnosis. The, the, the kinda, geese have the geese have inched a little bit closer to our coming. Uh, outdoor studio, <laughs> and they look angry. Now they're just eating. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I don't think uh, they'll yeah, be. They're... If we don't bother them, they don't won't bother us. As Correct. far as I know. But anyway, um. So again, it's kind of one of those things where I, I have this mosaic of, pers- of my personality and why I'm certain ways. And there's plenty of other pieces of the mosaic that explain why I'm that way. But uh, but me having high function autism is one piece or a few pieces of a mosaic that I hadn't really noticed before I even sat down and talked to my mom about it. Because again, most of this story for me happens before happens while I can barely remember it, right. if I remember it at all. Right. So it's kind of like a looking back and just kind of seeing. <laughs> and kind of <Hi>. see, <laughs> and he just has this look of like, ah, yeah. Ah. He's just talking as he's going. Anyway, he's got a lot to say, a lot on his mind. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of one of those things of like this helps explain and kind of dig into like who I am and explain certain pieces of my personality. So you don't you don't typically feel like you have to tell people that you're on the autism spectrum, oh, no. like when you. Uh, have a job interview, you, you don't go, by the way, you should know no, <laughs> I'm uh, on the autism spectrum. I legit cannot remember the last time I told someone I have autism. Yeah, because like, it never really feels like it's something that, you know, is, is too important uh, for other people to know. I feel like it's never it's it's never relevant for me, mm-hmm. and uh, the only times I really bring it up is when someone else brings it up. Sure. And yeah, so, so like, like for this podcast, when you mm-hmm. talked about it, I was like, oh yeah, I have high function autism, so on and so forth. So uh, I did the same thing with uh, my brother Hudson when we did an on-the-road episode. Uh, I ended the episode by kind of going into a little bit of like a section where I like to ask the person I'm talking to, you know, what are their plans right now? What what do they want to do? What are some of their goals moving forward? It's just to sort of... um, be an encouragement to people that they too can reach their goals and that is you know especially true for people on the autism spectrum so when my brother hudson came back from uh, school in minnesota you know i asked him well, what what are his plans moving forward what does he want to do so uh what's that for you um being that you graduated from western illinois with a bachelor's degree uh you're working full-time uh your mother moved up to wisconsin leaving you behind and your yes. brother and your brother moved up to wisconsin with his wife leaving you behind um and your sister um so all your family's in wisconsin now they just yeah. they left you they abandoned you they're like all right we're done here we're done with the quad cities we're done with blade figure it out um <laughs> and of course that's not exactly how it happened but i'm paraphrasing of course so uh, you're living with a couple of mutual friends of ours, um, yeah. and um, that's been going pretty well as far as I know. Um, so what are what are some of the things you're doing right now, just as briefly as possible, and what are some of the things you hope to do in the near future? So right now, I, you know, besides my 40-hour job, i am also been volunteering a bit for the political midterms. Uh, this time around, instead of maybe giving a little money or just sitting on the sidelines complaining about politics the whole time, I decided, you know what, I want to... Uh, to just briefly mention politics a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. I generally believe that the Democrats have a better vision for what our country should be than the Republicans, at least right now. So I very much want to help them keep the House and 
and also participate in even more local elections. Like right now, recently, I've been talking with somebody who's running for Secretary of State in Iowa because mm-hmm. I want to help him because he's wanting he's running on basically election integrity in the sense of like make voting easier for people, yeah. make it more accessible, don't mm-hmm. restrict it, and I want to help him. And so. Uh, between that and a few other uh, politicians I want to help, whether it be like my Iowa House uh, candidates or the one of the few districts nearby that isn't gerrymandered to, to hell and back mm-hmm. uh, is to help the Democrats keep the U.S. House. So that's a few things I've been doing recently. Uh, what I kind of want to start doing is get, in, get do my own podcast to some mm-hmm. degree, like... Uh, it's been kind of one of those things I've been talking about doing for a while, and one of these days I'll eventually get around to actually starting it. Uh-huh. Uh, whether it be just kind of talking with my brother about video games, because that's some, that's a passion both Hunter and I, both my brother Hunter and I share. He kind of does it a bit more professionally than I do, <laughs> um, and in the sense like he works on video games in his free time, and mm. he's. Uh, his, his dream was to be like a video game developer at some point. It's a it's a topic he's really passionate about, and I've played a lot of video games. Like it's a topic I really like discussing. Yeah. Um. So I whether it be that, and I also kind of want to, as I get feel out how to do podcasting with that, I kind of eventually want to do uh, a podcast talking about masculinity. I feel like at least for me, uh, my dad. Uh, <laughs> He kind of fell into the very much the toxic masculinity stereotype. Toxic uh, masculinity stereotype, yeah. 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 So uh, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that and at least how my own journey in finding what a healthier masculinity is. Mm-hmm. And so at some point I do want to do a podcast talking about that. So that'd be a bit more professional yeah. in the sense of like talking through my journey and like, you know, writing out scripts and all that. But that's kind of down the road. Otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of my immediate plans that I can at least foresee. At some point, I want to try to get a different job that's more falls in my passions. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to, f- I don't feel like dealing with that for a little <laughs> while. Right. Um, but otherwise, that's that's some of my immediate plans besides just helping you with Vans Up Productions with uh, some other fun projects we've been doing. Yeah, well, we'll get into that briefly here at the very end. But I just wanted to share the story. I did go to, um, I did go to, uh, not to get too like deeply political, but just to kind of like do this, uh, share this like basic experience. So I've never voted in the midterms before, ever, mm-hmm. at, you know, ever in my life where it was legal for me to vote, right? Um, and so I did actually go vote, you know, the in the primaries uh, earlier this week, and awesome. a, as of this recording, and um, and I went in and I had no idea like how it really worked, and I figured that out pretty quickly because I completely screwed this up. I did not walk out feeling very uh, very good about myself because. Um, they hand you that sheet. I don't know what it's like in the other states. I assume it's pretty much the same, but they hand you the sheet where you um, fill in the circle of like which political party that you are primarily voting for. There's even that space where it says like, you know, like you can write down an alternative party or movement, whatever. Um, so I I filled in one circle and I handed it back to them and I'm like, I don't know why they uh, I don't know why they needed this, but okay. And then uh, they handed me the ballot sheet, went to my booth, and I realized that every single name on there was from the exact same party that I filled a circle in. I thought I would be able to see. Who's who's on which party? I was wrong. Oh. So 
I was essentially given, it was like being handed a test that you did not study for at <laughs> all. That you, had had, that you did not study for at all and you paid no attention during the classes. Because I was given this uh, ballot sheet with all these names on here where I'm supposed to circle. And I'm circling names that I don't even know who this person is. I just know that they're from this specific party. But I didn't, feel, but I didn't really want to have a sheet that was strictly on one party. And, um, and so I didn't really know like what most of the names were. And so I'm sorry if we end up getting people that, they, that you don't want want um you know it's my bad um uh it's just it just goes to show the how absolutely how absolutely important it is um to uh know who these people are on the uh, ballot sheets it may take some time to get to learn them but it's so important i would say if we were to try to tie this to autism at all but you know again these on the road edition episodes i'm a little more open-minded and talking about more stuff because it's also about my life and yeah. certain things involved in my life. Uh, lack of forethought is something that I struggle with. I don't know if that's an autism thing. It might just be a me thing. Who knows? Uh, I'm very much someone who plans ahead, and so mm -hmm. it could be just your own personality. I'm, you know, maybe not necessarily just autism. Mm -hmm. So when you came in and marked your political party, you were given who was running in the primaries for your party. Yeah. So you're not going to be seen somebody on the other party or the other party or a third parties of of that because since you marked your part of this party you're deciding for who your candidate is for your party yeah. for the general election yeah so that's where it gets complicated because it's even more names you have to look through because i was volunteering for one of the candidates for my for my primary i did not know who most of the people were i remember walking out of there just feeling defeated <laughs> and that's uh, too bad because I was hoping for the exact opposite. I was hoping that this was a way that, hey, hey, I'm like, this is the first time I've ever done this, cool. And I completely uh, messed it up, so, oh well. Yeah, so anyway, uh, before we wrap up, uh, just to kind of um, touch on this, I, I know that I um, have ads in the show for it, but uh, you do various voices in uh, the audio drama that we produce, uh, Mortal Deity, yes. a, an improv uh, fantasy comedy audio drama. You can find that on the YouTube channel Vanzot Productions. Uh, Vanzot being spelled V-A-N-Z-O-T. And this is kind of another way that we... So you, me, and a couple of other friends of ours uh, do this show, and um, it's a lot of fun because we can tell a story. We make it up as we go along, but, you know, it... It's like an hour of raw footage that's condensed into like half an hour of actual coherent um, <laughs> yes. story. At least as coherent as we can make it. Stupid train. But um, but essentially, like this is uh, our way of venturing into the world of fiction, which is something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I'm a writer and I'm a storyteller. So it's just been really cool to be involved in that and kind of branch out into fiction as well as doing this. Yeah, and I've had a lot of fun with it. I. As much as I have a passion for nonfiction, I I love stories as well. Like it's kind of one of those things. It's like it's this is not a either or kind of situation for me. It's like I love both, and so it's been a lot of fun doing this. I get to be, play basically all the village idiots, mm -hmm. which has been a lot of fun. <laughs> I used yeah. to I used to play a lot of D and D, so I I'm very used to playing multiple roles. So it's been a lot of fun to do this because it's been kind of going back to that for me. Yeah. Well, this show is heavily inspired by the formula of Dungeons and Dragons. It's like if it's like a it's like if a group of friends got together and played Dungeons and Dragons, but it, uh, but minus the combat, you know, yeah. um, that's essentially what it is. We Basically figured... going all in on the narrative. Yes, completely. So, um, you guys should check that out. I know I'm like kind of 
ending this episode on, you know, plugging in something else, but this is how we get the word out. And, and plus, um, I'm on it, so you have a good reason to bring it up. Right. <laughs> and it's, uh, if you prefer just strictly listening to it as opposed to going on, um, <laughs> going on, uh, YouTube and, uh, listening to it, um, it... If it is if it is not already on these platforms, which I will be working um, a lot to um, put them on those platforms this coming week, but I'm planning on putting them on podcast platforms as well. Awesome. So with that being said, thanks, Blade, for coming out here and doing this. Hopefully the sound isn't too distracting that I can figure it out later, but uh, it was great that you came out here, sh- shared your story, shared what you're doing right now, and... Um, uh, I'll make sure to have you on in another episode. Yeah, I thank you. And honestly, this made me kind of go on a, a small journey of self-discovery because, like I said, I didn't remember most. I didn't know most of the stuff I talked to my mom about with as far as my autism uh, diagnosis was. So it was yeah. actually very enlightening. Yeah. So. so the next episode chronologically for this show is that I will be delving a little bit into um, my own diagnosis report. Why uh, why I ended up getting diagnosed so late. So there's your little uh, foreshadowing for the next episode. You'll have a nice contrast with me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right guys well thanks for listening see you next time bye hey guys while i have you i'd like to promote a singer and songwriter i've had the pleasure of getting to know david angus david has produced music for me in the past including the opening song of my audio drama mortal deity which you can find on my youtube channel vanza productions check out his music on spotify and download his albums when the clubs come out and his latest afters at the casino i know he'll appreciate it Hey guys, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, write a review to help the show grow, and subscribe to my Substack at thepancakeking.substack.com to receive updates on new podcast episodes, a new blog post every Saturday, and other content I may put out. You can also check out the entertainment me, KG, and my friends make together on our YouTube channel, Vanzot Productions. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.